0: Hello, welcome to Careers Talk. I'm Kerry Eustace. This week, in the aftermath of A-level results and the mad rush for clearing slots, there's been much talk about the value of a degree. It's not a new topic, but it's certainly back. Surveys even revealed that more and more companies are saying that they would hire a school leaver with two years' work experience over a graduate. All this got us thinking... If employers are questioning the value of a degree, what can students do to maximise their career potential and keep employers sweet while they're at university? In today's show we'll be talking to students and grads about their efforts and we've got University of Surrey careers advisor Alexandra Hemingway joining us too. But first we've got a roundup of the news. Ali is swanned off to Edinburgh, we're not jealous at all. So Harriet Minter and Eliza Anyangwe are here to share their picks of this week's careers headlines and blogs. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are we both? Good, thank you.
1: Really
2: well. Um, Harriet, are you going to start off with childhood dreams? I am going to start off with childhood dreams. Love. This comes from a survey by Munster which found that almost our 42% of respondents over the age of 30 say they wish they had followed their childhood ambitions which is a bit of a no brainer to me, because obviously your childhood ambitions were always more exciting than your actual (laughs) job. Um, Particularly when you look at kind of things people want to do, which included surgeon, sports star, acting, you know, those kind of glamorous jobs. Um, And instead they're doing things like IT, education, administration, which is still equally important, but maybe not quite as glamorous. And it does say that actually kind of The 30 to 40-year-olds, that's the slot where most people are dissatisfied with their careers and wishing they had stuck with their childhood dreams, whereas only a third of recent graduates actually say that they think they should have stuck with their childhood dreams. They're kind of a bit more pragmatic about it and have thought about things they actually think they want to be doing long-term that they possibly have a better chance of doing long-term as well. So this kind of got me thinking about how your childhood dreams fit into your current career. And I was talking to a few friends about it and what I found is that people who really love their jobs are the people who've managed to combine maybe aspects of things they've been really passionate about all their lives with their day-to-day work. So the two that kind of stuck in mind, both in the sports arena, one was a friend who's very, very into tennis and she now works for the LTA on their events and promotion. And the other one is um, a guy friend of mine who desperately wanted to be a rugby player and his older brother is a rugby player for Wales, so he kind of grew up with that dream and star ambition. Unfortunately, wasn't good enough and is now an accountant, but he's an accountant for a rugby team in Bath, and he absolutely loves it. My childhood dream
0: is I wanted to be a scientist one year, and I think I wanted to be an American football player for a stretch as well,
3: which I haven't got the build for. Um, Eliza, what about your childhood dreams? Oh, gosh, random things. I wanted to be a taxi driver, um, and then I wanted Hopefully to be a speak. waitress, and that lasted right up to when I was at uni. Okay, so I've picked out two stories. We were
0: talking at the top of the show about questions over the value of a degree. Um, And there's been two big news stories kind of confirming this. So the first is firms cast doubt on value of degree amid squeeze on university places. So Santander, the bank, commissioned some research. And the big finding of this research was that the majority of more than 400 UK firms said that they would hire a school leaver with two years' work experience over a graduate. It's quite worrying if you're just signing up for a degree or you just come out of university. Um, And this rose to almost three quarters when businesses were smaller and employed just 50 people or fewer. So it, it seems like... These sort of findings are really going to influence what people are saying. So on the flip side, people who are kind of defending higher education are coming forward with the reasons why having a degree isn't all bad. So things to remember, 12% of those that were surveyed here said school leavers had the same aptitude for learning new skills as graduates. Um, 58% of those surveys say graduates are quicker learners. So that's something to remember. And of course, earnings are also higher for graduates, and they've got higher chances of getting into the job. So don't forget, you've still got that advantage. And and there was another story um, about the value of a degree saying that the gap between school leaver earnings and graduate earnings is narrowing. So the Office for National Statistics has found that graduate employees are earning 85% more than those who left school after GCSEs, whereas in 1993, it was 95% more. And The reasons why the gap has been narrowing, there's a couple of reasons. So one is there's been a fall in the proportion of graduates doing highly skilled jobs, which tend to get the highest salaries. So stuff kind of like um, engineering, accounting and management. So that's gone down to 57% from 68%. And the other thing that's been highlighted is, is of course, the labour market at the moment. So economic recovery is still faltering and job growth is still stalling. So these are all things to bear in mind. So where these statistics might be quite scary it's kind of a temporary market driven thing so a degree is still really valuable to employers and and you still have great skills so don't be too scared by the statistics is what I'd
3: say Eliza So this week, I have a fun little story from Smith Magazine, which is a US-based magazine um, that focuses on user-generated content, personal stories, um, and inspires storytelling. And they've partnered with Mercer Consulting and are running a competition to find out what people think of their jobs in six short words. So they have asked that in various categories, what inspires my very best work or why I do my job? And finally, the biggest lessons I've learned at work. And a lot of them are fun sort of slightly wry commentary, but also there's some job tips. So I'll give you some examples. Um, the very best lesson I've learned, somebody says, don't lose your security badge ever. Or <laughs> professionalism means smiling through a hangover. Um, <laughs> others have, have suggested that why they do their job is, um, can't quit, I own the place. Um, so it's been very interesting. They're going to collate them all into a book that will be published next year. But I just thought for graduates, it was an opportunity for them to think about, maybe get together with your friends who are all employed and, and think of fun ways to, to describe why you love your job or maybe what annoys you at work. In, in six words, um, sort of challenge yourself. And maybe at an interview when you apply for your next job and you ask, you're asked in long form, why do you love your job or why did you do the last job? You have something to say that is a little more personal and anecdotal.
0: I thought as well as it, it was really fun I completely agree with you there's also some really good tips in there there's things where people say you know remember the boss is the boss and mm. things like that so there's some good career advice as well as kind of motivational life coaching yes, yes. <laughs> thanks very much now our agony uncle Julian Linley has some advice for an editorial assistant struggling to take their career to the next level
4: Our letter today is from someone who's lucky enough to have a job however they're worried that they have jumped in and taken the first job that's come along and it's taken them a little bit off-piste from their kind of career path that they would originally chosen. They work as an editorial assistant in a field of journalism that they hadn't intended to get into and although opportunities are coming up for them to progress their career in that field the concern is whether or not they should jump out again now to get into the type of journalism that they are more interested in the concern really being are they going to have too much experience to have an entry-level job in that different area when opportunities do arise this is a diamond shoes are too tight type of problem because very, very fortunate to have a job in the first place, especially even vaguely related to the field that you want to work in. I was speaking to a colleague just yesterday actually and she always did very well at school. She then went on and graduated with a first class honours degree and she by her own admission came out of university with quite a big head thinking I'm going to walk into a job on a newspaper or a consumer magazine. The reality was very different. She wanted to move to London. She wanted to jump on with her career as fast as possible. However, she saw an opportunity for a magazine that had nothing to do with what she was interested in. And it was based in Peterborough, which is where half of our company operates from. She decided to go for the job because it was better to just get some practical experience, some grounding, if you like, to understand the language, the flow, the systems of a company. But as soon as she got the job, she started asking questions, making contacts and all with the blessing of her editor, I have to say, which is very important. And she made enough noise for me to notice her in London. And I was very impressed when I met her by, first of all, her commitment to her current job, really passionate about the job she's doing, even though it's not an area she would have chosen. But she also is really clear about what she wants. So as a result of meeting and her making herself known to me I've invited her to help me on a project that I'm doing at the moment and although she's still working in the original job I'm confident that she will make a transition to a position that she wants because I know that she's very good and actually I would feel very comfortable about putting her in a more junior position if that's what she wanted because I can tell from her ambition that she's got what it takes to learn rapidly and be a real asset wherever I put her. So my advice to you would be really, you've got a job, brilliant. Stick with it. Do not take a risk of jumping out to try and jump back in again in a different direction. However, definitely use the experience to your advantage now. Make contacts in the area you do want to work in. Use your holiday time to try and get work experience elsewhere and spend your time like this colleague of mine has done networking your ass off because it can't do you any harm really
0: that was julian then the creative director at bauer now we won't talk dates but back when i was at university the first thought i gave to my employability was closer to my finals than was probably sensible sure i wrote for the student mag and did some stints of work experience but i have to admit this was more for the prestige than for the cv fodder Today we're going to be arguing the case for thinking about jobs and careers a whole deal sooner. There was a great blog post published by undergraduate Jonathan Frost on the careers site a few weeks ago. Jonathan explained why he's thinking about employability in his first year at university and described all the activities, projects and work experiences he's immersed himself in to boost his chances when he finally emerges into the job market. If my graduate self was pitched against Jonathan for a role, there's no question he would get it. His CV and contact books are bulging and he hasn't even started his second year yet. I'm joined in the studio now by two other grads who also put me to shame. Phil Renane, a former team leader for Seif Nottingham and soon-to-be HSBC employee. And Joseph Stashko is about to start his final year studying journalism. He's a blogger, reporter and event organiser who founded Preston Social and blogs at Newstash and HuffPost UK. Hello both. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Formidable candidates. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right, so tell me a bit about when you first started thinking about your career. I mean, Phil, was it something that was always on your mind when you were at uni?
1: Before university, I didn't think about it at all. I think when you get to university, I suddenly realised that you know, after this I've got to get a job at GCCs. I needed good enough GCCs to get to A-levels and A-levels. needed good enough A-levels to get to university. But yeah, once I got to university, I realised that the next step was more or less down to me. So I had to sort of get my game together and make sure that, you know, I was in a good position so that when I finished my studies, I'd hopefully be fairly employable.
0: So was that something that you thought about kind of in Freshers' Week or was it...?
1: Pretty much. Was it? I mean, not before I got to university, I didn't really think about it. It's only really dawned on me when I sort of saw a few companies around and thought, yeah, this is it. This is the last sort of step before uh, you enter the big bad world.
0: And what about you, Joseph? Um, you're still at university, but when did you start thinking about all this stuff?
1: Well, I
5: started thinking about it before university, really. But I think by the time I got there, I sort of had a clearer idea of what I need to do, maybe, and what was important um, in the journalism industry to kind of get on and make contacts. So I think I started working things out probably about a month in to my first year started an online magazine which probably failed by christmas um
0: what was the online magazine
5: it was a really terrible idea it, <laughs> it was um
0: is there evidence online of this still
5: there may be which is why i'm keeping quiet about <laughs> the name um it was just like a really general interest thing which is great if you're you know a lead writer on the guardian or something but if you're not actually you haven't kind of honed who you are as a journalist yet no one's really going to want to read that um so it was kind of an experiment, but at least me kind of got me started and got me into it, and then everything else played from that, I guess.
0: Was there a moment then when you kind of realised that you needed to make this extra effort?
5: Not really, actually. I mean, it was mainly because I kind of got so few hours of contact time, at university, I think it was only six hours in the first year, so it was more trying to avoid the endless repeats of watching Ross and Rachel trying to get together or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of realised I had all this time on my hands and I may as well do something productive with it. And it, you didn't even need to necessarily do that much outside of last time to actually get something worthwhile out of it.
0: See, shamefully, I use that time for napping, generally, so it's quite embarrassing. But It was we, napping too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah was, so napping, yeah. Right. So tell us about the other projects you're doing. What you, what else are you doing to kind of boost your skills and employability?
5: Okay, so um, I'm involved in a new site in Preston called Blog Preston, which, despite the name, is kind of more than a blog. Um, I do that, and that's kind of local reporting. And the good thing about that is it's not work experience in the traditional way but I do a lot more than I would, why well, I, I hope I do a lot more than I would on you know doing a week at the local paper or something because I'm not transcribing someone else's work. I'm going on doing council reporting, um, local events, photography, video, lots of kind of different things which I wager I wouldn't be able to do maybe if I was kind of on the bottom rung in a newsroom. Anything else? Yeah um, off that I started organising a event which is monthly next one's next tuesday if you're in lancashire yeah i um, will put a link to that on yeah, the show thanks notes. and that's all based around talking about social media because there was a really good event i used to go to in manchester which did that and there wasn't one in preston at all so i thought you know why not and it's on its sixth one now and probably about 50 people come to each one so i mean that's not even really a career Orientated thing that's just quite fun to do, but it's stemmed from kind of
1: meeting those people through the journalism side of things.
0: What about you, Phil? What, what have you been up to to sort of boost your employability?
1: Well, I'd say pretty much the majority of my good things I have my CV and the things that I've done to boost my employability for um, within my work with SIFE, which stands for Students and Free Enterprise. Should I do a bit about SIFE? Please do. Okay, so SIFE is actually a global organisation. There's about 40 countries and about um, 1,500 SIFE teams worldwide, and um, each SIFE team, their aim is basically to create economic opportunity for others, so it's about using sort of the positive power of business to help people maybe less fortunate than yourselves. So I was part of the SIFE Nottingham team, and throughout that I've done loads of cool stuff, which I've been really fortunate to be able to do, so I started off just working with school kids, trying to help boost their employability and sort of help them at that age understand how they can already sort of um, develop their business skills. And um, i have worked with entrepreneurs in Nottingham who've been struggling, normally social enterprises, so businesses with sort of like a social aspect, and help sort of um, mentoring them and trying to help increase their footfall, uh, their accounts. And then some of like, the most fun that I've had has been doing uh, international development work. So I've led and been involved in projects uh, both in uh, India and Ghana, and that's um, trying to help basically lift people out of poverty, um, essentially. And yeah, Cypher was just, um, it's active in about 40 universities across the UK, And it just gives the student a platform to do great things. I mean, even when I say it now, I sort of can't believe that I've done it. But you just start very small, just wanted to get involved. And then you take steps and steps. And then eventually you suddenly realise that you've come on this incredible journey. And it's definitely changed me as a person, but also made me incredibly employable. or at least (laughs) I like to think so.
0: (laughs) So give me some examples of what you actually do. you say, you know, sort of led a project. So what was the kind of day-to-day responsibilities and actions of that?
1: Typically when you're um, a project leader, you have a team, so you have to sort of define your goals, define sort of who the people you want to impact is, sort of what effect you want to have, how you're going to have to measure that effect. I mean, some of the previous presidents or team leaders from the SAIFE organisation have gone to interviews and been told that it's some of the best sort of experience they've ever had, even though it's not typically a job experience, it's just sort of experience they sort of develop by themselves. But um, at an interview, it's all I talk about, so having a degree is sort of a given, then it's given an example of a time where you've led a team, managed a problem work together with others, and that's always Scythe. So in an interview, if it's a 45-minute telephone interview, the majority of time I'll be using examples from Scythe.
0: It sounds like the things that you've been involved with are really amazing, but they also seem quite consuming. I mean, do you find it difficult to balance it with your degree, or do you ever find that you prefer doing this?
5: Yeah, I mean, there are times when it's, like, midnight or something and I'm still typing something up for the next day and I really want to watch awful television for two hours. But I think... My time management before university was absolutely terrible. And it's probably improved to very bad. Um, <laughs> but there has been an improvement. There are some days when I realise I've just allowed it get completely out of hand. Watch too many repeats of Friends. Friends is always on. <laughs> it's it's just, just the enemy a, of all students.
0: It's the enemy of you itself. um Yeah. What about you, Phil?
1: I mean, I, I certainly agree with Jamie. I mean, I also had about probably six to maybe ten hours contact time a week. So that gives you a massive amount of free time. I would say certainly in terms of employability, time management is always a skill that normally gets thrown around. So regardless of what you do, if you've got examples of balancing uni work and any extra extracurricular activity, that's going to work to your favour. And then you've just got to be quite clever and work out sort of which days you're going to attribute to what. Just say you need to sort of be fairly switched on and maybe plan a little bit ahead when you've got um, maybe deadlines for both.
0: I don't know if you're both aware, but there's a big debate bubbling up at the moment about the value of... A degree. I mean how do you both feel about that and do you feel that without these sort of experiences that you're going to be a bit of a loss in the job market?
5: I would always be doing what I'm doing now I think just because it's what I love doing but I think on one level I think it's kind of a bit sad that you kind of can't go to university and not actually have to think too much about a job. It's quite nice to go to a place for three years where you can kind of just develop intellectually and socially and stuff like that and not have to worry about you know getting a job at the end of it but on the flip side of that i am also really aware that that's not the kind of world that we're kind of living in at the moment where you know employees do expect you to have a lot of things done especially in journalism i guess but that's always been the case and i think that especially in the next kind of five years i don't really suppose that anything i've done will be particularly unusual for kind of maybe average graduate wanting to go into journalism because it's just getting kind of harder and harder to kind of
1: prove your worth i'd agree a university degree now is just a given so i'd say um in terms of its worth you you do need one to apply to graduate jobs for example when i was looking through the majority of them they say if uh, you need a tool on a buff just to sort of even begin the process but that will not set you apart anymore so the extracurricular and employability skills you can do i think they're paramount really to getting a job to be honest um through my experience i'd place much more emphasis on sort of cypher getting me a job than i would my degree
0: And sort of final parting tips for any students out there that might be listening.
5: I'd say maybe start a blog. It depends, no matter what it is you want to do, but pick one topic and then just hit at it and and promote it. And you kind of have to be a bit... Bullish about it because there are thousands of people on you know on the web now, and then balancing that with a kind of face-to-face networking, finding events that you love, tagging along to conferences, or being cheeky and emailing them saying you're a poor student and kind of get into your 200 pound conference for free, and, and meeting people in your industry who are maybe cynically likely to give you a job um, in the future.
1: I think if there's any tips I can give is just work out sort of what field you want to go into. And then just try and meet people in that field and try and join the societies which sort of add up to the sort of job you want to do. Meet some people who are already in that career so they can tell you about it, how to get into it. And then, yeah, join the relevant society or do something within your university which will sort of help you get some experience maybe um, in that particular field.
0: Great. Thanks very much. Next, we're going to get a career advisor's perspective on the issue. Joining me on the phone from the University of Surrey is career advisor Alexandra Hemingway. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Morning. Thanks for joining us on the phone. So today, Alexandra, we're talking about what you can do to maximise your career potential at university and employability is a huge issue for graduates at the moment. I mean... What steps has your career service and others in the industry been taking to help students with it?
6: Career services have been pushing for attention to be paid to employability for a long time, Mm. obviously. And in recent years, it has really taken more of a priority. Some universities have got things like employability strategies now, so built in at the institutional level, that gets people to... Well, hopefully, gets people to pay a bit more attention to it and give it give it a bit more priority in their thinking and planning. But stuff that students can directly get involved with. A lot of universities now have um, awards, co-curricular awards, so you can get a bit more recognition for the activities that you get involved in outside of the, um, your studies. We here at So we have a massive range of employer events. In any given night of the week in term time, we'll have. Uh, sometimes as many as four different things going on. So that might be talks, it might be presentations about the business, but also workshops to help students develop their skills. The best favour anyone can do to themselves is just to get involved. Really, it doesn't actually matter so much what kinds of things you're doing. Any experience that you have can be shown to employers to showcase your skills, your strengths. Any of this can be really valuable, and. It, you know, a good way to think of it is it ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it.
0: Do you get many visits from students who are in their first and second years? Here at Surrey we do actually get quite a lot of second years in. I think the main reason for this is
6: because um, about over 50% of our students take an industrial placement year. So in the second year is when they're preparing for that and putting forward applications. We would like to encourage more first and second years to start as early as possible. Kind of like with revision, if you do a little and often, it's a lot easier and a lot less intimidating than leaving everything to the end and then getting
0: into a panic because it's such a massive undertaking. Have you seen any innovative projects or anything unusual that students are doing that you think would be easy for others to replicate? Oh, there's all sorts of cool stuff going on. Not sure how easy they would all be to replicate, (laughs) but some of them are.
6: Things like setting up new student societies, as well as obviously getting involved in the ones that are already there. And you you can invite speakers in, you can get support from the Students' Union for doing this, get money from the Students' Union for doing this. And we've also got people who are um, setting up their own businesses, basically around the things that they love. I've seen quite a few of my clients who've set up and promoted club nights, for example. We've got a lot of um, hospitality and events management students here who do all sorts of things, like arranging trips and arranging events and fine dining experiences, A lot of people get involved in tutoring, perhaps working with um, school pupils. And I did meet one client who had done an amazing thing. He had set up his own recording studio and ran it successfully as a business for two years alongside doing other things.
0: And what about employers' and recruiters' expectations? Do you think they're higher than ever at the moment?
6: Actually, I don't think they've really changed that much in the 10 years I've been working in higher education. It's not that they want to get more. They're in fact... Seem to be chasing after the same kind of people all the time what i think has changed though is the competition there are still not that radically smaller number of jobs out there but it was always tough and as more and more people have got into higher education inevitably that means more people are chasing after the same opportunities
0: thanks very much alexandra So as Alexandra mentioned, there's one obvious way to beef up your CV and gain experience while at university, and that's through the student union. To talk more about the benefits of being a union officer, I'm joined on the phone now by Andy Blunt. He's Vice President of Education at the Student Union at the University of Huddersfield. Hello, Andy. Hi there. Just to start off, can you tell us what made you get involved in the Student Union? How did you get involved with it?
7: It was a mixture of two things. I I did a politics undergraduate degree, so I was kind of hinted towards going to the Student Union and learning a couple of things whilst I was there. But a friend of mine actually stood for office in my second year and asked for me to help him campaign. And from there, I kind of got involved with everything else that it has to offer.
0: Tell us a bit about what you've gained from being involved with the student union. I mean, has it opened any doors for you, created any other opportunities? I
7: think so. I mean, I was the union chair for one year where I chaired everything from the monthly union council meeting that they have to massive general meetings with 100 plus students in a room. And it was actually during the last general election where the coalition was put in, but we did some political debates, which I chaired as well, so I met MPs, I met local dignitaries. From there, I was also the sub-editor of the politics section in the newspaper, so I was learning all the different things that there is of writing and all that jazz and editing. But I think, ultimately, the main kind of experience that you get it can range from anything from your basic organisation, management side of everything that they do, to meeting people. Uh, I mean, this past year, as uh, the education officer I've met, the local mayor, where we were discussing some community projects. So I do think it's quite important, you know, if people want to try and open small doors themselves, they get involved.
0: You've also got a more sort of formal programme going on in Huddersfield as well, haven't you? That the we do. The STARS programme. Tell me a little bit about that and, right. you know, uh, what you get out of it.
7: Well, the STARS programme is the Student Training and Recognition Scheme. Basically, if they, if any student on campus is giving us time in volunteering for anything, be it from a uh, representative group or if they're a school rep or if they're a course rep or anything. Uh, We train them with loads of different skill sets that they might need. Uh, An example for course reps, they negotiate changes on their course if there's anything that their students aren't happy with after getting better things. So we train them in uh, mediating, negotiating, uh, influencing tactics, meeting tactics, going about and doing some kind of course-wide market research and after going through all these training programs which they can choose to go on themselves uh, they can do it online or they can do it in person with myself in like a group session they can reflect on everything that they do across the year and at the end of the year they're assessed and accredited with a bronze silver or gold award dars award which is actually signed by the pro vice chancellor and if they get a gold they actually meet the pro vice chancellor as well and have a nice little discussion with the vice chancellors at the university or four of them so they get quite a lot of doors open to them but it also it it's great as a CV fodder, in my opinion, because it's saying, look, this, this student goes the extra mile.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone's listening, any students out there, and they're not involved with the union yet, what sort yeah. of advice would you give them to help them?
7: Start now, <laughs> uh, if I'm honest. I mean, I actually didn't start until about my third year, but I stayed here through a master's and got heavily involved in that year as well. But uh, I, I wish I'd started earlier. There's, there's a lot of things that you can do and you can get involved in.
0: Well, thanks very much, Andy. Some good tips there. There's no problem at all. Next up, the Jobs Top 10. We've gone for a feel-good theme this week and selected a collection of roles where you can give something back. Eliza and Harriet are going to reveal
3: the chart. Kicking off the chart at 10 is a helpline advisor at the Autism Helpline.
2: Think Tank Green Alliance is looking for a policy assistant to work on climate and energy at 9.
3: 8 is a work experience placement for an international development events assistant at Henley Media Group.
2: Beat Bullying is looking for voluntary mentors to work with 14 to 25-year-olds at 7.
3: In at six, a project officer role at Dame Kelly Holmes's DKH Legacy Trust.
2: Yellow Cat Recruitment is looking for a video editor for a leading UK charity, at five.
3: At four, learning disability organisation, the Camden Society, needs outreach support workers. Three is a
2: part-time coordinator for a higher education charity via prospectus recruitment.
3: Just shy of the top spot at two, Harris Hill has a vacancy for a community fundraiser.
2: And this week's Top of the Jobs is a Head of Organisational Development Diversity Manager at Disability Charity, Leonard Cheshire. And finally, here's what we've got coming up
0: on careers.guardian.co.uk next week.
3: On the 1st of September, breaking into travel journalism, and on the 2nd, career options in nursing.
0: That brings us to the end of the pod. Thanks to our guests Phil Ronane, Joseph Stashko, Andy Blunt and Career Advisor Alexandra Hemingway. And of course the pod regulars Julian lindy Eliza Anyangwe, and Harriet Minter. Careers Talk was produced by Sarah Cuddin, I'm Kerry Eustis. Goodbye.